Welcome to Feel Feelings with Danny and George, the show that talks about feelings and the things that make you feel them. The picture in your mind's eye needs to be clearly lit here mm. now. <laughs> yes, you have to light your third eye with halogens. And I've always this, said that. That's what this show has always been about. Yeah, it's really heady. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Dan, how are you? I'm I'm doing okay. Yeah. It's been a been a weird week. <laughs> very very hard week. I mean, yeah, you could say that. <laughs> on on top of everything that's happening, um, back to work. Mm. So it was whereas like last week it was so easy to like pay attention and be up on things and to be like communicating with people. Now I feel like I'm missing a step that I had before. So it, it definitely feels like I'm I'm losing ground that I had gained already on the I get that a little personal bit. struggle of it. Yeah. I, I started work too, but because um we're kind of working on Casey's house and we're doing a bunch of stuff and we were like hanging out with each other before uh they called me back to work. Uh it's been easier to like go up there and help her. Yeah. Uh instead of just going back to my apartment in Philadelphia. So my commute from work has been like, I don't know, four hours both ways oh, every wow, couple right. days. Yeah. Like luckily today is like I have a day off. I have the weekend off. So now it's, uh, you know, today's my only day in the apartment in Philly. Also, okay. it's very strange, but, you know, safety first. Uh, that we are like a block away from each other, but we're still Skyping yeah. in. <laughs> yeah, I could I walk to your house and shout this in the window if I wanted to right now. We should do an episode like that. that would we'll be just fun. set up the microphone halfway through your window and the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 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 weird being back. Like, it's definitely not the world that we've been used to. You know what I mean? Obviously, like I yeah, hate the I mean, term new normal, but... Just the fact that I have to wear a mask at work throws mm. off like everything. I feel like I've lost a like a certain ability to express myself because I oh, can't yeah. show most of my face at work. I uh I, I'm one of those people that does like the half smile when someone like walks past me. Yeah. And now it just looks like I'm staring at them like and I was caught staring at them you're, now. <laughs> you're half smiling with your eyes now. Yeah. I'm just like how do you eh, eh, that's a wink. That doesn't work. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I feel like as like a teacher or an adult working with kids, I do so much communication with facial expressions. So I don't have to like mm. constantly remind of directions and that kind of stuff. And it is really taking a lot to get used to like not being able to do that. Cause like I'll yeah. still do it, but like, I, I know it's not seen anymore. <laughs> I like the, uh, the idea where it's like, we, my sister used to watch a lot of America's next top model, which is funny. Cause my sister was like this goth chick, but like we yeah. throw it on a VH1. Uh, and there was like, there's a whole thing where it's like, you have to smile with your eyes. Yeah. You have to smile. Yeah. It's, it's eye smiles. No, I was never trained. I'm not Tyra Banks. This don't work. <laughs> yeah. I could be, I'm pretty. Yeah. I could be Tyra Banks. I believe in you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, is there anything? I'm so tired. That's another thing too. Is like they keep on bringing me back to work, but they're not putting me in the position that like I usually work in. So I'm just ringing people up at the register. So it's like, there, I, there can't be a lot for you to be doing right now if customers not really allowed to. Just well, no, like they're venture. allowed in now. Oh, they are. Yeah, they're allowed in now. And I swear to God, the first day back, they like there were people lined around to the store to wait to check out because they have to like cue them a certain way to keep them socially yeah. distanced uh they were lined up around the store and every <laughs> single person camping out waiting for the chance to i don't get know what in. the fuck they were doing but most people came into the score and bought like a candle or a throw pillow wow. like it was one or two things because that just means that they weren't going in because like, oh, yeah, our sofa broke during quarantine. We've been waiting for you guys to open up so we can get a new sofa. It was just like, I just wanted to be out. So nice yeah, to like, go to a store again. Like, so you guys are like store. the last element of organization I have left that like I, I got this whole apartment like ship shape. Everything has a home now. And I got it narrowed down to like, all right, we need just like this one type of thing. 
and I, there's just been nowhere to go get it. So like, I am kind of chomping at the bit to like get there. Yeah, but like, like that's yeah, a thing cool. where like you've made a list. These people clearly wandered into the store because it was like, let's see if they're open. Like they're all people because they went out to Conchahawk and and that store. Like they're all suburb people. They're mainline yeah. people that drove all the way into the city to buy a candle. No, get out of my store. You're not even from here. Yeah. <laughs> Go, go pollute your own store. <laughs> you don't go here. Uh, Dan, I wanted to say uh, on on the last episode that uh, I was not present for, uh, y'all did great. I thought that was a great episode. Uh, what are your feelings about that? Not to bring back the old episode a little bit, but I thought it was important. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if people haven't heard it, uh, go listen to that. It, it's kind of outside the realm of our normal show, so you don't have to worry about knowing how the show works. If you don't want to, if this is your first place listening, go listen to that. It's just another kind of offshoot, but it feels like one of the better episodes that we've done. Mm. Which I agree. It was, I agree that like the the broken format of our show to give uh, people that we love and respect a, a, a way to express their voices was the best show we've done so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, our, the one that had the least input from us to do with us. We are we should do this. I mean, it's free to do, but yeah, goddamn, there are more important things to listen to, especially now. We're gonna turn our show over to whoever the guest is every week and let them. That sounds great. Yeah. Speaking of guests, we have a guest this week too. Uh, a guest that I think for the first time it's someone that both of us, uh, or like at least one of us, didn't know. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. So we had um, a, a gentleman named Sean Johnson. Me and him have been friends for forever, and we go way back. But uh, during quarantine, he decided to kind of do this cooking show that's uh, just cheered me up during everything. So I wanted to get him on so he could promote a show and, and, and just kind of talk about stuff. You'll, you'll hear in the episode uh, how much we talk about how a big burly man he is, you know? Yeah, just, it does come up a lot. <laughs> it does come up a lot. And he's just like, uh, he's, he's a, he's a good, he's big, big, big boy. He's a big boy uh, with like a bunch of tattoos. Actually, the one that's on his arm, I've known him for probably decade at this point maybe a little less uh than that but he's always had just an unfinished tattoo and i guess like right before quarantine they actually like finished up that tattoo (laughs) and then he just like yeah it's like a big owl it was a skull and then it became an owl i don't know what happened there (laughs) uh but yes we had my friend sean on he does a great uh I think it's on Facebook Live, which is an interesting medium. I haven't seen anyone like go exclusive to Facebook Live or Facebook in general. Yeah, I, I do so little on Facebook anymore that like it blows my mind that it's reached a point where that's a thing you can do. But that's a thing where like you could think back to certain parts of Philly comedy that uh, we don't have to talk about. We weren't we weren't podcasting when it was happening, but uh, there was a sketch. Um, <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> I know where you're going. <laughs> there's get, but if you looked at the the views on YouTube were like a couple thousand, and the YouTube's uh, the the views on Facebook were in the millions. Yeah, because it was shared through Facebook. Lie. <laughs> yeah, uh, if, but if like, you share like a YouTube I, link on Facebook, they don't count it. See, that's what it is. So like the Facebook link had like just thousands, 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 thousands of views. But I guess like there is an audience for video for Facebook. Yeah. It seems like yeah. I'll find myself like on the app scrolling through and then realize I've watched like seven nifty videos where it's like, oh, yeah. you can yeah. turn your leggings into a jogging shirt. Yeah. I mean, you could. I could. I'm not gonna. Because it would involve jogging. Um, <laughs> you could wear it for style. You could look good in that. <laughs> I don't think so. A little belly shirt with an upside. That's the best part about those videos too, is because then like the logo around the waistband is upside down, so it just yeah. looks ridiculous. <laughs> like it's very clearly you ripped a hole in your pants, and now you're wearing it as a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, back to Sean. Sean is a great friend of mine and uh, an amazing musician. Um, I used to play in that band. We should. I, I might try to find a photo of me playing in that band. This is the one I think we've talked okay. about on the podcast every once in a while. But uh, I played synth in a band with Sean. <laughs> All right. Wasn't even a real instrument. Didn't know how to, like, don't know music theory. Don't know how to play piano. <laughs> I can see that being a detriment to synth, but it sounds like it was you did just, it anyway. It was just, 
I, I set the synth a certain way where it would, I forget the term of it. It would basically glide from note to note. So I oh, didn't have to yeah, make yeah. chords at all. So it was all money, a monophonic sounds. So I could just hold down one thing and then just do the other thing with my one hand. It would always go back to that note and it That's worked and it sounded great. like I was a virtuoso. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, but so we, uh, uh, this is Sean Johnson talking about uh, his show Get Sauce and uh, me and him reminiscing while Dan sat quietly. <laughs> I really enjoyed this episode. <laughs> hey, Sean, how you feel? How you feeling? I feel sweaty. It's so hot right now. It really is warm. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big guy and like anything over like 70 degrees, I'm sweating. <laughs> yeah, I, I know this for a fact me and sean go back many many years we yes. played in bands together uh i think we met fairly like the anniversary of when we met is coming up at some point is yes, it or did it just pass oh, no it's uh, next Thank month you. i think it's next month. yeah we uh i got booked on a show at some firehouse hall somewhere in the middle of new jersey drove out i got booked by the other guy in his band and then me and sean became friends at that show Dude, that show was wild it was like a fire hall show but it was mm -hmm. like the hall was like the third floor of the firehouse and i just remember i had just been getting over mono and my spleen was still enlarged and i was like carrying like an ampeg like 810 like up the stairs and, and like Tyler and Mike were like, dude, you're going to die. Like you're literally going to die. <laughs> Put the ampeg down. Put the yeah. eight by 10 cabinet down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so much fun. I miss, I miss those days. Oh my God. I was just, I was literally, um, before this, I was on a zoom call with the dudes in my life. Cause we haven't seen each other. Yeah. You guys are kind of been like out of commission, I guess, since well, with, COVID. With, the COVID and even before that, Mike had just bought a house and he like basically was like, all right, we're going to do like, we're not going to announce it, but we're going to do like a little like hiatus. You know, we we're all mm -hmm. kind of doing stuff right now. We were like jamming like once every couple of weeks. And then with COVID, it was just kind of like, we just, you know, kind of haven't seen each other at all. SG, his mom has like health problems. So like, he's not even living at home right now. Like mm -hmm. he's like shacked up with somebody else. So it was nice to like, kind of just bullshit and like make fun of SG. And Always a good time. <laughs> Honestly, it's one of my favorite things. I've known that kid the least. And every time <laughs> I show up to a My Life on Film show, I just make fun of SG. Oh my God. And his backwards hats. Is uh, so, wear hats anymore? He got, he got the, uh, we can talk replacement. about it if you want to. <laughs> he got hair replacement surgery. <laughs> tell me, tell me about it. Yes. <laughs> He so he always used to wear hats because he was bald like me. That's why I'm wearing my my Budweiser. I don't even drink Budweiser, but I just like this hat. And hat. Uh, he got the hair replacement surgery where they like take the hair out of the back of your head and like put it on the front of your head. Now he looks like a like twelve year old fat boy. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. So you guys were playing at um, what's the record shop in Fishtown? Like Gosh. the last show you played in Philly. Yeah, I. Uh, Dan, do you I know? You live Not in Philly. A clue. <laughs> it, was, it was a garbage show. It was absolutely yeah. garbage. That was, oh yeah. I'm so unaware of like scene spots in Philly. Like, <laughs> just another world to me now. Yeah. Uh, so I went there and all SG could talk about was his new hair plugs. <laughs> yep. And then he was like trying to sell me on them. And I was like, uh, I'm comfortable. I, I, I beck it. It seems easier than yeah. surgery. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. It's, no. no, I'm good. All right, so a little background on Sean for the audience because we've done enough reminiscing of just in jokes. <laughs> Poor um, SG. Yeah, no, SG's fine. He's, a th <laughs> he's, like, he's like the fourth Sean that the band's had. It's ridiculous. Yeah, his name's also Sean. Oh, fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> we just call him McGill Gorilla. That's his name now. That's a good one. Uh, uh, so uh sean was in a band or is in a band on hiatus called my life on film uh and now sean is doing a very good cooking show on the internet thank you <laughs> talk about it a little bit uh so yeah uh get sauced is the name of my cooking show um i've been doing two live streams a week since the beginning of uh covid and i'm, I'm slowing down i'm going eventually i'm going to do one pre-recorded episode a week so from two live streams i'm doing one live stream a week now and then i'm getting a little more set up to do my pre-recorded stuff um but yeah i've been cooking basically my whole life 
Um, never professionally, just getting myself fat, not other people fat. That's fair. And, and I appreciate very that. generous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, actually, I cooked for George. I think the last time you slept here, I made you like stuffing and chicken soup. And, oh, like, yeah. You did a whole spread. Yeah. yeah. I know. I was just like, yeah. I'm trying to be sad, Sean. Stop. <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. Eat my food. You'll be fine. <laughs> Wait. So I'm, so, I'm sorry to sidetrack here. So George okay. sleeps at my house. He like was, had a rough time. He's staying with me and my ex wife. And uh, he, I think I gave him my key because I didn't have a spare key. I was like, all right, here's my key. Uh, just, you know, I forget the whole like thing about it. But mm-hmm. anyway, he falls asleep on the fucking front porch and I'm like knocking on the door like, dude, where are you? I need you to let me into my own fucking house right now. <laughs> I forgot this happened. Yeah, I fell asleep on your porch playing yeah. guitar, watching like the neighbor walk the dog yeah. up and down the street. <laughs> Ridiculous. All right. Um, but he, yeah, cooking. I'm sorry. I've been doing that for, I've been doing it for a while, and and uh, I really wanted to do. I was gonna just start doing cooking tutorials, and then somebody was like, "Why don't you live stream?" And I was like, "Yeah, I could live stream." So I started doing it on my personal page, and was like swearing a lot more, and and like literally would wear like a Hawaiian shirt with like my shirt open like this, like looking like a complete <laughs> tool bag, and then uh, and then I made get sauce. I was like, I gotta be somewhat professional, so like I don't drop f bombs. Yeah, I'm finding that with this podcast, too, where it's uh, because of, I think, my band background, like we attempt to be professional as much as possible, but it's really hard. (laughs) It's like the shamble of wires in front of me. That's like all of this equipment that I'm using is borrowed from Casey's (laughs) roommate. Like I didn't bring any of my shit with me. It's the most unprofessional thing, but we have a logo. (laughs) You can buy a T-shirt. You can even, yeah, we have a Teespring store. Who the fuck thought that was a fun idea? (laughs) Do. Uh, <laughs> the fun. But anyway, so this show, uh, when cooking, let's say you cook something new. Does that make you vulnerable? Oh, we did it, Dan. Uh, we, yes. got, we got into the thing seamlessly. And wow. we always bring it up when we do so well at that. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, one day it'll be seamless and then we'll let it be seamless. But we're yeah. not there yet. <laughs> yeah. So, Sean, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first so you can kind of see, like, what we're talking about here? Or yeah, you, you go first. You go first, okay. and, I'll, and I'll join in the fun. Well, I actually picked out a thing uh, about being vulnerable, uh, and just how it happens to be about the band that I'm in, kind of. It's only me. Sean, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you fucked me before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I remember playing a gig. It was actually, I think, the second gig I ever played with my girlfriend, Casey, at this point. And we were playing at a place called Terra Firma in Brooklyn. And that was a place uh, where I decided, oh, I'm going to bring my mandolin because I'm going to play that one song on the EP that's just mandolin with like one microphone. Mm-hmm. And I, I figured out the chords to go into good riddance time of your life. <laughs> so I was going to do like a quick medley. <laughs> and I did that. And the, and the show was booked. I think it was like me, then Casey, then a couple other bands. Um, and after I got off and I was like putting my mandolin in its gig bag, uh, <laughs> this kid walks up to me. He's like, oh man, you play mandolin. I play, I play mandolin too. And like, we had this moment of vulnerability. It was like, oh, let's talk shop. Like, I mean, I, I'm pretty new. I'm trying to figure some stuff out. Uh, and I guess like, he was like, oh yeah, no man, it's like great. I I love the sound of it. Like I love the style of like the folk punk thing mixed in with the mandolin, the folk instrument. I think it's great. And then he got up on stage and every member of his band was a student at Berkeley. (laughs) 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 So they just continually shred for 45 minutes while like I shared a moment of like, yeah, man, it's awesome. Like which two mandolin players. This is great. I was like, oh no, you have a degree in mandolin. (laughs) This is not an okay thing. (laughs) Those Berkeley kids are unbelievable to me. Like I, I have a handful of them who are, are good friends of mine and like, I was hanging out in my, my basement when I was living in Boston and I was trying to learn how to play jump, just like the opening chords to jump. Mm-hmm. And not only was like the, the kid like, Oh, you're on the wrong setting. He came over, picked the right setting. He's like, I'm not sure how to play. Do you want to play for me once? And he played it once, found the right setting on the keyboard and then just like crushed it. And I was like, all right, I'm not, 
I'm good. I learned this one today. Yeah. Then you can't just get shown up by musicians. I mean, Sean, you have you've played a bunch of shows with some like bigger name people. Like, I remember you talking about the gig you played with Biohazard. Yeah, that was fun. I was going to uh, be like a weird situation of just like I want to. I want to say Biohazard was the first like band that we opened, like big band that I ever opened for. Mm-hmm. Um, it was at Starland Ballroom in North Jersey. And we had been recording with Billy, uh, who was the guitarist and, and uh, vocal, one of the vocals for Biohazard. And we were kids. Like, I think my brother maybe was the only one who was 18. And the rest of us were like, you know, 15 to 18, you know, at that point, mm. or 15 to 17. And Billy was like, we were like recording with him and he was like, Hey, uh, we're doing a reunion tour. And we're like, Oh, that's sick. And he's like, do you guys want to open for us in Sayreville at Starland? And like, <laughs> I like, I just remember being like, this isn't real. Like, like <laughs> I was like, no way this is real. So we took the gig. Starland was super, super pissed off about it. So <laughs> I've played Starland. I can't even tell you how many times. And like, Usually the way that it goes, it's like they have the openers booked like months out, like before you can even like announce the show, like they're already talking to opener unless like something happens and they come and like grab somebody real quick. And uh, uh, the show was booked like the it was done. The show was booked. Tickets were being sold. And like <laughs> Billy fucking calls them up and was like, yo, you're going to put these teenagers on our on our gig. <laughs> and like they were pissed. So they came back to us with like you got to sell 200 pre-sale tickets. And we were like, you know, kids were like, yeah, we'll do it. You know, and like, <laughs> we didn't do it. Like, <laughs> It was a valiant. Yeah, I feel but, like you can get away with like fucking with Starland more than you can get away with fucking with the guys from biohazard. <laughs> yeah, right. So like, so wait, wait, this is, this gets, this gets good. This whole story gets good. I promise. So <laughs> we wound up buying out like, I don't know, like 70 tickets or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Billy texts us when we're there and he's like, Hey, what, when are you guys playing? And we're like, Oh, we're playing first. And he's like, really? Why? And we're like, Oh, we didn't, we didn't sell enough tickets. And he's like, you guys weren't supposed to sell tickets. What do you mean? So we told him like, yeah, yeah. Starland said we had to sell 200 tickets. And he was furious. He was like an angry dad going to yell at the teacher. Like literally like wow. grabbed our guitarist by like the arm and like drug him into like the back room and started laying into the promoters. Like, just like, how dare you? Like, and like, A, Billy's a member of Biohazard. B, he's like a fucking Gracie black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Like, the <laughs> like legit badass. And like, dude, I remember just like standing there like, dad's mad right now, guys. <laughs> so what's yeah. great though, Jean, because I know a part of this story. I wasn't here for this show. I don't think we knew each other when you no, were playing. No. Uh, and, and what was the name of the band that you that opened? Was, that was Bleed the Arsonist. That was my, yes. my metal band. That was your metal bit. So I, there's a part of this story that I love is the fact that you're playing drums wearing your kill your local drug dealer yeah. t-shirt. <laughs> I, dude, not only kill your local drug dealer t-shirt, on the back of it, it showed like the x-ray of somebody getting curb stomped and it said, <laughs> not in my neighborhood, motherfucker. Oh, I thought I was, I thought I was so badass. You're 15 from oh, Tucker to New Jersey. Yeah. I thought I was wow. such a badass. So uh, yeah, that show was so wild, but dude, the best part about that show was like, cause I was like, I'm a big dude. And like, I thought I was like, you know, pretty tough. Mm-hmm. And like the fucking 40 year old dudes who just hated their lives. Like this was their one night away from their like terrible spouses and kids. <laughs> and they're like in like white t-shirts, blue jeans and steel toe boots. And they're, fucking windmilling and spin kicking and and i'm just like that's what my life's gonna be like i'm gonna hate my life that much (laughs) and you do and it's great that you're not even 30 yet and i do so (laughs) it's all worked out oh it's beautiful so so george Um, what is the vulnerability in that story for you like what i think there's it's a part of vulnerability and it's a part of shame where it's like I had this moment and I was like, oh yeah, me and him, this, me and this guy, we're friends. We were on the same page. And like, I've opened up to him because it was the first time I would played mandolin live on stage. 
It was the, like, I just thought I'd played one in the studio because I thought it'd be like a fun thing to add to the record. Sure. Uh, but I'd never played one out in front of people. Uh, <laughs> oh, so you're, and then you're the already fact that, putting yourself out there. Yeah. Putting you, myself you out like there. feel like somebody caught you. Yeah. And I, I immediately just like that, uh, that imposter syndrome. I was like, oh, stop, like, it's fine. But thank you, like, for including me in this. Yeah. And then as soon as he hits the stage, like, he's plugging in a $5,000 mandolin into like an LR bags preamp that's another $3,000 or something. Man, those well, words mean so much to me. They, I know they do. <laughs> I'm playing to our guest, Dan. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> Just like real expensive shit, shredding, doing scales and knowing theory, like some sort of musician. It was a nightmare. <laughs> I feel like, well, like any, any performance though is like inherently vulnerable, especially like yeah. you as a songwriter, like, or as like a, like a standup or anything like that, or like a comic, like you're like going up there and like telling a part of you and people are like, wow, you fucking suck. And you're like, okay, that's great. You know, yeah, but, <laughs> but you, that you kill that part of yourself after like a third open. Mic. <laughs> yeah. Like there's long a, dead. <laughs> it's a, it's a big thing on the podcast that we talk about it, that Danny is deathly afraid of boats, hates yes. boats. Absolutely. Uh, hate them all the time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think it's the hashtag is uh, all the time afraid of boats. Uh, yep. It's a long hashtag, but one of the first times I saw Danny perform was on a show called boat Mike. <laughs> where it's just in the harbor next to the Dave and Buster's in Philly <laughs> and they just get on stage they make you chicken fingers and you perform for your friends at Boat Mike it's a ridiculous people, people open gave me mic. so much credit because they thought I made up all those jokes that night but no I'm just afraid of boats all the time and had no. those jokes <laughs> part of my set this is my set <laughs> yeah. but yeah there was like that phone it was like I, I'm more afraid about the room that I'm in sinking than I am about sharing any sort of personal information <laughs> with myself that's the, that's the mindset of a comic it was like I will put my worst fears in front of me and yeah, sure, I'll be vulnerable on stage, but it doesn't feel like anything anymore. <laughs> I also don't feel like I'm all that vulnerable on stage. Like, I don't, no, I don't you're very a, comfortable on stage. Yeah, I don't bring a lot of me to it, aside from like personality. There's not a lot of like getting a lot of Danny backstory in a set from me. True. Okay. I think I, I have right. that a little bit more because like my first set of jokes that I wrote was about... Um, my ex and how like we were both attracted to gay women was oh the punchline to the joke. Dude, that yeah. fucking joke killed me the first time you said that to me. <laughs> yeah, because I went to your house after we broke up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yo, I need to crash on your couch. Uh, I'm kind of homeless again. <laughs> um, but yeah, good times. And But yeah, that's like the vulnerability thing of like getting up on stage. It's funny that like that's not the first thing that crosses my mind. Like for someone that yeah, you do live streams and stuff, but it's a live stream for a lot of the people you already know. Like it's your yeah. friends and stuff or like when people come in, whatever, you're cooking, you're drinking, you're shooting the shit. That's fine. Uh, you've wanted to do stand up for a while. Yeah. And I know this because you've you've popped into my thing. I was like, what do you think about this show? I'm like, did you do it on stage yet? Which <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Dan can attest like that's like the shittiest thing to say to someone that wants to get into comedy. But I'm also like your friend. So fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the least encouraging, but also the best thing to say. Just yeah. like, yeah, I mean, of course I think it's funny, but I know you. So like, yeah. I'm not the one to answer this question. Cause like, I know what I find funny about you. So when you say something and it hits those buttons, I automatically think it's funny. People who don't know you, I can't answer for them. So I don't know. Go oh, find yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> like, the amount of times that I've done that ex-girlfriend joke, or uh, I used to do a joke about how I was like born blue and like my mom, like it was basically a joke to like get everyone sad and then hit them with like a really funny, like aside, just to make everyone in the room uncomfortable. And that's where the joke lies. Yeah. And I loved it. Uh, but I've done that joke to it paying off so well in front of like 50 people. And I've done that joke to twice that size of people and it bombing and it's just crickets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I've gotten to the point where like I'm not bothered by stuff bombing anymore because I know it probably should. Mm. So like, I know it's good. I stand by it. But if you were to ask me why it's funny, I'm like, I couldn't, I couldn't explain it. To you. <laughs> like 
I, I have a whole joke about like bumping into a crab apple at the top of a hill and it turns into just a five minute story of me racing a crab apple that like I tell very slowly and I really draw the story out for a punchline <laughs> at the very end. And like I get it if people don't want to come on the journey. So if they bail at some point, I'm just like all right, you're right. <laughs> now, is that like, is that like most comics you feel that way? Like about like, about bombing and stuff like that? Like you, like, you know, like it's meant to bomb that joke. You you can usually tell like while you're telling it, if it's your fault or if it's just not the night for it. Okay. So like yeah. if it's, if it's your fault, it still sucks. But if it's just one of those nights uh, where like crowd isn't paying attention, stuff just not clicking, it's just, those don't bother me anymore, but it's, it's the ones where I can tell that I messed it up. Those really yeah. eat at me. Yeah. Cause like musicians there's, don't have that. I don't, I feel like there's so many musicians who like, are like, this is the best song that's ever been heard by anybody. And you're just like, Holy shit. Like this dude can barely play three fucking chords. Like what's going yeah. on here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got I forget, a heart. Yeah. I forget what I was listening to the other day. It was, uh, power ballad playlist on Spotify. And it's just one of those songs of like probably late seventies, early eighties where the ballads just went for it. Yeah. And it's just like, this guy thought that this was the like most clutch romantic song ever, but just like a year later, it was probably like the cheesiest thing that anyone had ever heard. And that guy was still playing it. Like it was the best song ever. Like, I don't understand like how, like I forget there was some example that I listened to recently and just one of the lyrics was so incredibly cheesy that I oh it was Limbiscuit. There you go. <laughs> like <laughs> biggest hit in the world in the late 90s. But it was I think break stuff and it was like some of these lyrics are so dumb. Like oh they're my incredibly God. dumb. <laughs> yes, just give me something to break. How about yeah. your fucking face? <laughs> <laughs> We got to get Fred Durst on this podcast. Oh, that'll um, work. I'm, we've we've been surprisingly good at just emailing people and they'd be like, "Yeah, quarantine. I got nothing to do." <laughs> I mean, I'm not not a fan. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so fun! So I, I owned three albums and a T-shirt at one point. Just throwing that yeah. out there. <laughs> Every time Dan used to walk out of his apartment, he would just yell, "Chocolate starfish." <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's just a Philly thing. It's, I thought everybody in Philly just Actually, did. yeah, that is a Philly thing. <laughs> it's that yo dude fucking Gobert's. <laughs> oh, man, I was about to do some Limp Bizkit deep cuts, but I'm glad we took one step beyond it so I don't have to now. Yeah, we're moving <laughs> on. <laughs> do you guys listen to, like, the bonus cut? That's good. <laughs> Remember that one song on $3 Bill? No, <laughs> no one does. Oh, I do, and I could quote it. I'm not going Specifically, to. all the people at the Biohazard show that Sean played when he was 15, those people oh know the deep cut on yeah. the $3 bill. That's <laughs> fucking wild, dude. Let me ask you guys something. Whatever happened to predictability? There must be some magic clues inside these gentle walls. Sometimes... You get a feeling like you need some kind of change. I don't get any of those references. But each week on Talking Sit, Silas P. and a guest do a deep dive and raise up the sitcoms that raised us. Did Mr. Belvedere really sit on his balls? Why do people call him Uncle Joey when he wasn't related to the Tanners? And does anyone else remember Head of the Class? Find out each week on Talking Sit with Silas P. John, tell us about vulnerability because this is exciting for me because I wanted to choose something that was going to make like a sensitive thing because I know you do like Brazilian jiu-jitsu and you're a tough, uh, handsome big boy <laughs> with tattoos. Oh, and, so like, it was a and, setup. And, and, and three voided straight-edge tattoos. Please talk about that. Let's talk about that. <laughs> I have two voided straight-edge tattoos. Thank you very much. Um, Kill your local drug dealer, Sean. <laughs> no, um, vulnerability. First of all, I like George said, I'm a large human being. I'm six foot four <laughs> and 300 plus pounds and covered in tattoos, but I'm also a giant baby. So he is, He's, he I, makes me feel safe, Dan. <laughs> I'm like, like, yeah, I'm, I like, I've been a part of the MMA and BJJ community for a while now. 
Um, and like, I know how to like do that shit if people can see my air quotes, but at the same time, like I he will, was doing them, I he was will, doing them. <laughs> I will cry at a Hallmark commercial. Like there's like that, just, I'm a big baby. Um, but vulnerability, uh, I mean, I know there's something I could talk about, but I feel like it's redundant and I won't do it. So, <laughs> uh, uh, no, I mean, um, the, uh, the cooking show is definitely like as much as I, play it cool like when something goes wrong on that i'm like in my head i'm like oh my god this is the worst thing ever oh my god everybody's gonna hate me this is terrible like like i'm doing this for entertainment and people aren't gonna find it entertaining and so that's like super vulnerable especially live because if you fucking mess up live like people see it you know it's not pre-recorded it's like oh this is the fourth time i'm gonna do hollandaise you know what i mean like (laughs) like like it's like it's like oh this is the fourth time i'm gonna do hollandaise live because i screwed up the first three because i'm a moron (laughs) i I tried hollandaise once in my entire life and haven't gone back to it it's dude honestly like i've done it so many times and then i was doing this stream i was gonna do i call it like a jersey benedict and I was going to do like a tomato hollandaise, poached eggs. I took Italian bread and I was going to fry it. And then I like fried up some brisciutte and that was going to be my Benedict. And I had a few hours before the stream and I was like, in my head, I was like, dude, you haven't done hollandaise in like five years. And then I was like, nah, I'm good. But you know, whatever. I've done it. I've done it seems it. like something I've, you could I've, run with. I've, I've done it enough times, you know? So are, are you at the point with this now after making mistakes like that, where you like do it like a professional cooking show where everything is made where you're like, you show no. how to make it, but then pull out another example of it already done. No, like that's what I'm going to do with my, the pre-recorded episodes, but like straight up live, like I did beef Wellington and I was like, this is going to be like an hour and a half live stream. So stick around if you want or piss off. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I think I watched a little bit of that one. Yeah. Cause yeah. I was like, Ooh, beef Wellington, my mom's I favorite. Let's it. see how you do that. Came out so good. It's so easy. Dude, is cooking, it? cooking is incredibly easy. And people are like, Oh, I can't even boil water. It's like, no, I just haven't spent five minutes trying it. So yeah, me, yeah. I have not spent five minutes. <laughs> I mean, we Casey, like, brought out chicken and stuff and she was going to like cook a nice dinner. And I was like, sometimes I like to lean over to like try to see what she's doing. Uh, and after painting the basement, because we've been like painting the apartment downstairs, mm-hmm. uh, in our house and that it's just become like, we got upstairs. It was like, yo, we're going to order from that restaurant down the road. Yeah. That's what we're going to do. We're not going <laughs> to yeah. cook at all. <laughs> yeah. Every, every time it gets hot here, like we're, we're so stocked on groceries now where we're finally getting on top of it after being stuck here for weeks, we finally figured out how to like, shop and cook for ourselves <laughs> like we, we we were very good at like shopping for a meal and then we would make a meal but like shopping for two weeks we just couldn't figure out we'd always have just stuff going going to waste oh uh, yeah but like we finally figured it out and we have all this stuff set up and a good system and get a hot day like this and it's just like do we have to cook can we just have someone make <laughs> us food now <laughs> all the all the motivation goes out the window yeah I'm, that's like oh no sean you go I'm dying to go sit down at a restaurant. Mm. Like it is like, it sounds like I love to cook, but like I cook for people all the time. And like, I cook all the time. Like, I just want to go. I've been living off my cooking, which is amazing. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie to you. And then, <laughs> and, wow. then and then fast food, <laughs> that's what I've been living off of. Cause at work, that's all, it, you know, that's all it's open. It's fast food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I just want to go to a local bar and get a beer and get a burger. Like I I'm dying. Yeah, like simple food, like simple comfort food. Yeah. Like dude, like my mom does this thing where she goes, Hey, I'm having a barbecue. You want to come over? And I'm like, yeah, cool. She's like, all right, bring Emily. It's this time, blah, 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 blah. And I'll like show up and she'll be like, all right, cool. The food's in the fridge. I'm like, what'd you do? You cook, <laughs> you cook it already and put it in the fridge. She's like, no, I thought you were going to cook. I'm like, i wanted a break yeah that's that's my life it's happened to me i can't even tell you how many times i do uh, i you just made me have a flashback one time i came over for band practice and sean decided that he wanted to make a barbecue <laughs> 
And then his mom kept on coming out, try to like spray us with bug spray and like, just be like a nice mom. And at one point he screamed like a little girl, mom, we're men. (laughs) (laughs) I think she was like, we were like eating burgers, like just on like the bun. And she's like, you guys want plates? I'm like, mom, we're men. (laughs) (laughs) Just a bunch of like, like four dumpy punk rock kids in the back of someone's yard. God. Eating burgers dripping on the lawn. <laughs> Wait, so this is George's story, but I'm gonna tell it because I like reenacting George's reaction. Yeah, that's great. So, and the same night, uh George says to me about how he wanted uh a deer head for his oh yeah for his college <laughs> dorm. Because like my family hunts, and uh we like go into my dad's like workshop or whatever, and uh George is like, Yeah, Mr. Johnson, like he says, I forget how he worded it, but he said something about like, I'm looking for a deer head. And like, this is George's, this is George's reenactment. And he goes, and without fucking moving, Mr. Johnson just goes like this one. (laughs) (laughs) He had it like planted behind the table. (laughs) That's that's awesome. Yeah. You might be getting that back soon. Casey says we're not allowed to have it in the apartment. (laughs) Why? Get out of here. No, I love it. Bucky. I think we've talked about Bucky on this podcast before, Dan. It was like the deer head that we got from Sean or, or Mr. Johnson's. Uh, and uh, I brought it to college and we would just use him as an excuse to throw parties in college. <laughs> we threw him a bris. We had a birthday party. <laughs> awesome. Oh, yeah. It was just like a reason to drink. We we're like, oh, we can put him on the invites. <laughs> Good. Good branding. <laughs> it was great branding. It was great branding. So let's go back to talking about uh, food and vulnerability in this thing. You've done music most of your life, Sean. You've uh, always been a very outgoing and personal person. What about it being live? Kind of, I guess it's just like the fact that anything can go wrong. Like the, the, is it Murphy's law? Yeah. 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 Um, When I was doing the streams on my personal page, it was like friends and family and it was just kind of like, Oh, I'm drinking and I'm cooking and this is fun and I'm swearing. And, you know, and then when I did the get sauced page, it like, not like blew up, blew up, but like a lot of people like local, like around town who I don't know. Cause I posted it in like a community page. Like, Oh, you're stuck inside. Watch me drink and cook. Ha ha. And then all of a sudden, like an army of like, middle-aged women just started watching me and like, and like sending me messages and like, like, dude, I have people that I, I do not know message me like, Hey, uh, I, I cooked your recipe. It came out like this. It was really good. I'm like, thanks. Like, but like, I don't know how thanks. to react. I don't know how to react Lady. to that. You know, <laughs> you, you know why? Because like with music, if somebody comes up and they're like, yo, I like the third song in your set. That was really dope. I'd be like, Oh, cool. Thanks. And it's usually somebody who's like, around the same age or you know something like somebody who went through something similar that like they related to the lyrics in some way and then like it's like you know mom down the street who i don't know who's like talking to me about my food and i I don't know how to react to that it's like very weird for me i don't know Mm. like if i was if i was cooking for somebody like in person and they ate it and they're like oh my god your food was so good i'd be like oh thank you so much because like i like did the work gave it to you you ate it and you complimented me but for people to be like, I watched your show and I cooked your food and it was really good. Like, I don't know how to react. Like, I don't like, I feel like well, there's that. Yeah. It's a separation there Yeah, where it's, it's like you weren't directly involved and you're like, well, if it sucks then that's on me. And then it's like this kind of, at least with me, my mind would be like this mounting anxiety of just slowly like snowballing into exactly. I'm going to poison some fucking people. Yeah. <laughs> well, like I like joke, like I'll like tell jokes and like, like I like say like to do something and then I'll be like, no, re- like, don't do that. Like, I'm kidding. Like really don't do it. Like, I have to like cover my ass. Like, I'm like, no, don't, don't do that. Like don't lick the raw chicken. Like you're fine. Please don't. That's not yeah. how you season it. Actually, you know what? If you want to lick the raw chicken, go ahead and lick the raw chicken. Yeah. We, that's we can, on you. We can do with less raw chicken liquors in the world. If I, if I've learned anything as a chef. It's don't lick raw chicken. Yeah. No. I think I said on one time, I was like, make sure you wash your hands. Cause salmonella will turn your ass inside out real quick. And then I like stopped. I was like, sorry if there's kids watching. (laughs) (laughs) But they have to know. They have to know. This will happen. Dan, do you want to jump into yours? Or uh, Sean, how do you feel about your vulnerability? Yeah, I mean, uh, 
don't know. I feel like this is supposed to be fun, so I don't want to like get serious or get on the soapbox. No, nah, get get in there. <laughs> yeah. Um. So like, uh, like I mentioned before, I went through a divorce uh, about a year and a half ago, and uh, one of the things I tell people all the time, like uh, I've done grappling and jujitsu for a long time, but I hadn't been training for a while, and when I was going through the divorce, I started training again, and like, honest to God, like jujitsu saved my life. Like it really did. Like I was drinking myself to death. You know, I hear that a lot and stuff where it's like, it's something that I will always equate with, uh, uh, Seth Rogen, not Seth Rogen, Joe Joe Rogen. Rogen. Yeah. Uh, they're the same guy. Um, (laughs) it's just 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 something that doesn't connect with me, but I feel like everyone, every single person that I've talked to that's ever done it has this emotional connection to it. Like everyone from comedians to like, you know, my buddy, Sean, that I've known for years. Well, it's like, what yeah go go deeper into that so like the first thing is like the uh yeah i hate to say brotherhood because it's because there's a lot of women who do jujitsu and i know a lot of women that could kick a lot of dudes asses and i love them to death uh yeah george um (laughs) (laughs) um, so it's like a family and i know it sounds like cliche and lame but like so say you train five days a week and you you're there for an hour hour and a half you know a day that's mm-hmm. probably more time than you see your actual family, if, especially if you don't live at home anymore. You know what I mean? So like you kind of just, you're spending every day with these people, you build these relationships, you know, there's these on and off the mat, like family, like relationships. So that's big. Um, one of the biggest things um, that jujitsu taught me was like in life, you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've learned that over and over and over. It's like a, a big like tenant in my life is just like, it's okay to be uncomfortable. It exactly. happens. Like, what do you do now exactly. when you're uncomfortable? Yeah. So like I, I'm a th- like 300 plus pound dude. So like I compete with other 300 plus pound dudes. And most of this podcast has just been talking how Sean's really yeah. big. <laughs> <laughs> and you want to do the truffle shuffle? <laughs> yeah, and, do um, it. <laughs> so, but like, so like one of the things I was actually talking to uh, one of my training partners about this not too long ago about like when you're 300 pounds, like sleep apnea, like, you know, you're a big person, sleep apnea. It's the weight of your own chest pressing down on your lungs and, you know, making it harder to breathe, closing your airway, whatever. So like, imagine like your own weight and then another 300 pound, person on top of you like it's not fun so like you have two options like you can either like panic and like when you panic you stop breathing correctly and then all of a sudden you're gasping for air and then all of a sudden you're gonna you know tap out because you know you think you're dying or you have that split second of oh shit i'm in a bad spot and you have to react and get out of that bad spot and that's kind of like how life is like you can either sit there and start panicking and start losing your breath. And then all of a sudden you're in this hole or you go, Oh shit, well, what do I do now? You know what I mean? And like, that was a big thing when I went through the divorce was I had to sit there. Like I had my whole life planned out. Like I'd been with my, uh, I had been with my ex-wife at that point, like coming up on five years. And, um, you know, we, we had this house and we had this, you know, we had a dog and we had these ideas of, you know, kids and what we were going to, we had like, we had a fucking retirement plan at 27 years old. Like we, like we're talking about what we were doing when we were older. Wow. And, yeah. And then all of a sudden you get that carpet ripped out from under you and you're like, you know, for a while I was just like, well, f- you know, fuck this. I'm just going to drink until I die basically. And then, uh, yeah, I remember that Sean, that Sean no, was not was good. Bit. The problem is cause like, uh, again, cause of how big I am. Um, it's not like, it's not like I drink six beers and I'm like, Oh, I'm buzzed. It's like, I drink 15 beers and I'm, Oh, I'm buzzed. And it's like, Oh, let me do like 30 shots of tequila. And then, you know, then all of a sudden it's like somebody's trying to carry me home and like, it's not easy. So, um, mm. but yeah, like I remember like I had that little moment and then all of a sudden it's like, all right, well, what am I going to do? Like, am I going to like mourn over this for the rest of my life? I'm not even 30 yet. Like, and that when I was training jujitsu while I was going through that was kind of this idea of like, okay, you got to get comfortable again. Like you're uncomfortable, but you mm. got to get comfortable with it. And it sucked. Like it, it sucked up. And I mean, it still sucks, but like it sucked up really till the very end. The day I, the day I signed my divorce papers was three days after a buddy of mine had killed himself. And, uh, my ex-wife was telling me as I was signing my papers that our niece was just diagnosed with leukemia. 
Ooh. Yeah. So it like, but from what I learned about, you know, life, if you will, like I was able to deal with it, not always in a healthy way. You know, I, I've done shit I'm not proud of. I was, it's the way it goes. But at the same time, like you kind of get that comfortable with being uncomfortable and like comfortable with being vulnerable. You have to be vulnerable. You can't leave everything in mm. all the time. Like that's not healthy at all. Yeah, I found that with yeah. with loss in the past too, where I'm just like you you have everything going in a direction, everything feels right, and like that comes out of nowhere. Like you can't plan for that abrupt of a change. No. So like you just have to be able to handle it. Like not yeah. you can't you can't be ready for it because you don't know what it's going to be, how it'll impact you, any of that stuff. So just like something could happen, will I be okay? Yeah. Mm. well I, like and not like to me it's not even will i be okay it's how do i get okay again yeah you know and like i'm a mm. huge proponent um emily van basten whose name keeps popping up <laughs> emily's my emily's my <laughs> girlfriend she's a uh she's a you stole her laptop I, for I this <laughs> thank you shout yeah, out emily, emily. <laughs> uh, emily's actually a, a, a board certified music therapist and she works oh, in awesome. a, yeah and she works she's like incredibly talented musician and she works in a uh uh, inpatient psych hospital and uh before we got together you know that was just something else that we bonded over but before we got together when i was going through the divorce i started going to therapy and like honest to god it was the best thing i ever did in my life and i'm a huge proponent of like mental health awareness and taking care of your mental health and like i talk to dudes all the time who are like oh i can't go to therapy i'm like dude if i can go to therapy you can go to therapy like you can go and yeah. you can t- and like the crazy thing is like it's not like it's it's not like every session you go to is these huge breakthroughs are like, Oh my God. Like, you know, that's why I like pencils in my mouth. You know what I mean? Like, it's not <laughs> like that, <laughs> but like, you know, the biggest breakthrough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, <laughs> but like, sometimes it's just like having somebody there to call you out on your own shit. You know what I mean? Just mm. like, and like having somebody who's like, doesn't know you really like isn't like a family friend who's like oh no it's gonna be okay to be there and be like it's not gonna be okay unless you do something about it you douchebag like get off your ass and you know that's how my therapist used to talk to mm. me. <laughs> that's a good yeah. therapist to be honest <laughs> that's how i used to talk to myself I when i was having panic attacks or like yeah. i would just like separate myself from the moment and just like berate myself like what the you know, you know better this is happening you're in control of this stop pretending you're not and like it works <laughs> like yeah yeah uh okay so this part here now happening currently is when dan's audio just shat the bed it's like it's not just my audio it is my audio your audio and then sean's audio for some reason jumped and recorded later so like his stuff that he was saying to what we were saying recorded later in the track I'm it, starting to think it was bizarre. That maybe there was Zoom just like, isn't the best way to record a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> there was like six minutes of the recording that were just garbage. The rest Fantastic. of it sounds perfect. <laughs> so we'll talk about what we missed then. So we actually left it off right at where we stopped talking about Sean's thing. Mm-hmm. And it cuts out right where I say that basically I can't think of an example of something that makes me vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a problem of having too many examples to think of one example. <laughs> that, that there are so many things that put me in that vulnerable headspace that to like pick one seemed very difficult. And I mean that's basically what we talk about for a couple minutes and then we pick back up in a second here on a story that you're telling. And then it works for the rest of the episode. You don't have to worry about that. So here's my story. And boy is it funny. Roll tape. Have I have I told uh, you guys, I think I've, I've definitely told Sean about it, uh, but have I told you about the Coca-Cola Museum story? No. I went to the Coca-Cola Museum in Atlanta. I hadn't eaten anything all day. And it was like really hot because it was June and I was wearing like a flannel and pants. Uh, but I... Uh, walked down i feel like we may have talked about this podcast, but i went to the taste of coke because i was like oh i can get my blood sugar
playing this movie and it's just like a little boy giving a girl in Russia like like they're both in Russia at this winter fair and he gives her a cookie and it's like oh that's cute that's nice okay uh and then it cuts to a young couple putting a stroller in front of a house with an envelope in it and then very clearly one of their parents like sets of parents walks out and opens up the thing it's like gonna be grandparents oh, and i'm like oh brutal. fuck oh oh it's happening i don't have enough i don't have enough food in my stomach to absorb all this joy uh then it cuts to like a guy proposing to a girlfriend in a hot air balloon and i'm just like god damn it this <laughs> no. I, would, I would watch that one and be like next please next and, yeah <laughs> And I was just like, no, no, please no. And then the last one is, uh, it's a, a like a minor league hockey team game. <laughs> and on the giant uh, Ultratron, whatever it's called in the middle of the thing, I'm big on sports. Yeah. Check out uh, ch- check out the uh, the sports podcast on this network, maybe. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it happens, and then all of a sudden, on the big screen, it comes up, and it's like a soldier. He's like, "Hey, this is Corporal So and So from Afghanistan. I know my parents in the crowd just want to say I love you, and I'll see you soon." And the whole fucking theater goes dark, and it comes up, and he's standing behind oh. him, and everyone's not crying a thing. And I let out an audible. <laughs> Oh my and God. everyone looks at the one kid alone crying to himself I, in the corner. I, I had one of those at Avengers. <laughs> uh, at, you at fucking Endgame. nerd. Oh, like, yeah. There, there's a couple lines in that that hits so close to like how I felt with very specific things in my life where I was just like, <laughs> oh no. Like, it was it was audible and like, like I, I wasn't even like holding it back and like the way that you would think like would produce a sound like that where like you were holding it and it just escaped it was like <laughs> i was letting it happen and then it still happened you gotta tell meg to be mean to you more because if she's there with you she'll she'll she's very mean meg is uh dan's <laughs> girlfriend and uh she loves she's a very sweet lady but i always tell her that she's really mean in person yeah <laughs> She um, loves it. She's like, at least I get this credit. <laughs> so on the, the tearjerker subject. Yes. What type of moment do you think would be the biggest tearjerker for you? Cause like, I'm, I'm picturing like, it'd be like death acceptance, some sort of like father son moment or like father son moments. Like what you think winning. would be for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was going to say father son <laughs> moment for George. No, I have a specific one in mind. I don't know why, but if I see a gay couple get engaged, I am crying. You know, if I watch a video yeah. of like like a guy getting on his knees to propose to his boyfriend, soon to be husband, I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I think whereas like most proposals will will get me in that, I think that is even more amplified. Yeah, in those scenarios too. Yeah, it's just it's that audible. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I will, I'm a big, like, I'm, so I cry all the time anyway, because I'm a big baby, but um, <laughs> I force myself, like, if I'm having a shitty, like, couple days or, like, my anxiety is real high, like, I force myself to cry. Like, I literally force myself to cry. So what I'll do is, yeah. I'll make a Not playlist on YouTube of, like, soldiers coming home to their Ooh. dogs <laughs> yeah. and, like, surprise pregnancy announcements and that shit and just crack open a beer and sob for like a solid like 45 minutes and then like stop and be like, all right, I'm good. Have you ever heard the Brett Morin joke about him crying after he's drunk from uh, coming home drunk from a bar? <laughs> no. He basically just puts on like British X Factor and it's a little kid that walks out. Oh. He's like, I, I was going to sing you a song. And he was like, what song are you going to sing? Well, actually, I don't know how to sing. <laughs> because, <laughs> and, and then it's like, where, uh, where are your parents? Are your parents going to come and support you? And she goes, actually, I don't have parents. I've been an orphan, but I feel like if I try hard enough, maybe I'd find some parents. Oh. <laughs> and it just evolves into Brent Moore and straight like, I'll find him. I'll find this homeless boy. He's mine. I'm going to adopt him. Just tears streaming down his face. <laughs> Everyone needs a good cry. And there needs to be like a YouTube playlist of it somewhere. Do you, George, do you remember? I don't know if you'll remember this. Do you remember the last time I texted you when I was crying? Do you remember this story? Okay, vaguely, yeah. So I was drunk. <laughs> it was during like the bad part of the divorce and I was watching Scrubs. 
And it was, I don't want Brendan Fraser episode. Yes. <laughs> it was the Brendan Fraser Ooh. episode. He makes it to another yeah. episode. <laughs> Big daddy Fraser. <laughs> and I was super drunk. And it was that episode where it was his funeral. And I text George cause I'm sobbing, crying. And I'm like, <laughs> I just thought about Brendan Fraser and then it made me think of you. And I don't want you to die from cancer, man. So I love you. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> um, oh, beautiful. Fun story with that episode. It was uh, when it was rerunning on Comedy Central, I, I had come home from college for the break and I was supposed to go see my girlfriend the next morning. And I woke up and it was in the middle of the, I think the second episode of that arc. Mm-hmm. And then I just kept pushing back, leaving. And it ended up leading to a fight where we broke up. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan Fraser did that for you. All right. Big and Daddy like, Fraser. And like, mind, mind you, the night before I was flying home from Hartford and like my flight was delayed and like I had to move all of these different things around and I had like, a whole like not not just tickets for the flight that I had to to re, like to reschedule that <laughs> night like in the immediate moment and like ended up getting home like hours later than I was supposed to. I also had stuff scheduled for like Christmas that I was supposed to get home for in time, but then was suddenly thrown off because <laughs> I wasn't getting home that night anymore. That I had to worry about those tickets too. So like I was just overwhelmed by all of this, and like. I, I woke up, didn't want to do anything, and that episode was on. I was like, all right, so I, I'm not going to leave this in the middle. I know where it goes. It's just going to haunt me for the rest of the day. And she ended up being like, you'd rather watch Scrubs than come hang out with me. And I was like, any day. Not, not generally. <laughs> given the circumstance. <laughs> uh, there is something very powerful about that one line in that episode where uh, he goes up to Do- uh, JD goes up to Dr. Cox and he says something and JD goes, where do you think you are right now? Oh, dude. Oh, I, I just got, yeah. I just got chills when you said like, literally I got goosebumps oh, when you said that. Scrubs is such a good show. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I was just like transported to that moment now. Yep. <laughs> oh, Probably a good moment also, to leave it on. Also a good scene. Yeah, also a good yeah. scene when the nail is through his hand and he goes, look at that, look at that, look at the blood, lick it, lick yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you guys feel good? Yeah, let's yeah. end it before we go to more horrific hospital <laughs> damage. Yeah, don't worry, I'll send you some pictures. I think all we right, covered right. our bases pretty well on that one, huh? Yeah, we got it all, he got all everything under control. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, like, that's... Well, you go ahead. We let people peek behind the curtain on this one because we are still recording on Zoom. We are always recording on Zoom. Dan won't let me in his house anymore. Yeah. I look too much like a neo-Nazi. <laughs> I didn't I didn't trust Sean. That was that's what it was. That's gotta be it. The the third Sean we've had. And, and there's episodes. probably gonna be yeah. multiple more. <laughs> yeah, we we have other ones on our list. <laughs> what happened between the years of like 1987 and 1994? Did everyone who, just name their kid Sean? Who was the Sean? I wonder. Yeah. Was there a, was there a Lawrence brother named Sean? Was there a Sean Lawrence? It seems like their heyday, the Lawrence Bros. That doesn't sound wrong. Wait a second! Didn't they have a TV show that took place in Philly? I mean, Boy Meets World. Well, you know, boy, means one thing, but there was boy one. It was like brotherly love, brotherly love. Maybe that was it. It was like it was like the it was it was there like was a Lawrence Brothers TV show. Yeah, and I think it took place in Philly because it was the city of brotherly love, and it was about them being brothers and like, oh yeah, we help with each other. Wow. Whoa. I think one of them lived or worked in a garage. If yeah, I have that right. <laughs> I remember it being very gritty. Yeah, it was unintended. Nineties like teen. <laughs> hangout that you only see in 90s teen movies that never existed in real life <laughs> yeah like um like what 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 else would they like the wherever the fuck the power rangers hung out at in yeah, the beginning of yeah. every episode what was that place it's just a just a cool place for cool teens <laughs> yeah they had a smoothie machine and a martial arts dojo and some yeah. tables they threw zach's birthday there and i know that because i had that vhs <laughs> <laughs> it was like uh was a double dragon where like all the kids just hung out in this cool place with arcades and kickboxing. Fucking love double dragon. I don't care what anyone says 
the movie is great. I've watched it within the last couple months, and <laughs> it's not great, but I love it. Fuck you. <laughs> so anyway, that's our show. Uh, thank you again to Sean Johnson for coming on. It was great to catch up with him. Uh, Dan. Yeah. I forgot what I was going to say. Fuck. Let me retake that again. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I wanted to thank Sean Johnson for coming on the show. You can catch him on, I think if you just Facebook search, get sauced, you can find him there. You can check out his band's music on Spotify. The band's called my life on film. Um, there's no evidence of me ever playing in that band on the internet. So don't look for it. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, Dan, where can people find you? Uh, Danny underscore gets um, all the social media stuff. Um, it's also, we're part of the wasted robot network. So you can check all that stuff out at wasted robot records.com. Yeah, we got podcasts. shows coming your way. We got we shows adding more Ooh. every day. We got it. We're a, we're a big company. You're a big company. I am a peon. Yeah, you are of the company. I'm an employee. You are a participant with good sure. ideas. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess I'm not an employee if I uh, don't get paid. Anyway, That's true. Um, don't <laughs> be sure to rate, subscribe, and tell a friend about Feel Feelings with Danny and George. You can follow us over at Feel Feelings Pod, and even leave us an audio message at Anchor.fm backslash Feel Feelings. As always, if you ever feel some heavy emotions and feel like you don't have anyone to talk to, don't hesitate to reach out to us or call the numbers we have in the show notes. Thanks for listening. This has been a presentation from the Wasted Robot Network. For more information and links to other shows, please visit www.wastedrobotrecords.com slash podcasts. You do it!